0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Excuse My Reach. I'm your host, Emma Isaac. Today, our guest is Dr. Sarah Elgore, DDS cosmetic dentist and entrepreneur. As a smile curator, she founded Elgore Dental Studio, which offers a wide variety of services, focusing on cosmetic and general dentistry. With an eye for detail and precision, Dr. Sarah Elgore strives to provide the highest quality dental care and features cutting-edge technology in her office. She is on a mission to help make all her patients' smiles their best feature, so they never stop smiling. I am incredibly excited to hear about her career path thus far and how she got to where she is today. So without further ado, Sarah, welcome to Excuse My Reach. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Emma. It's a pleasure. I'm so excited that you're here. Like I said, you guys, Sarah is a cosmetic dentist, and she is the end-all be-all knowledge, at least in my mind, because I know very little about the profession. So I'm just really looking forward to talking to you and getting all of your secrets on how you entered this sphere, how you've excelled in it thus far. I think it's going to be a really fun conversation.
1: Definitely. I'm happy to share kind of my journey and all that I know so far.
0: Amazing. Well, I want to start off kind of from the very beginning, early life. Can you talk a little bit how you grew up and some of your early influences about how you even knew about this profession?
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um, Personally, for me, it was a little bit of an unusual and, and unique type of beginning. I I always remember wanting to be a dentist and I didn't know why. It was kind of funny. And I didn't grow up with uh, family members that were in dentistry. I did grow up around a lot of healthcare, there was some medicine and some nursing, but dentistry, not so much. And as I grew up and got into high school and college ages, I realized I really liked that dentistry is very much an artistic and hands-on approach to medicine that's very visual, and you get a lot of gratitude from kind of things you can do in that moment with a patient. So that was one of my favorite parts about it. It was kind of this nice blend between art and science.
0: It's funny that you say that you didn't know kind of anybody in the dental field right off the bat. Do you feel like your exposure to it had to do with media? or just your own experiences there? I'm just trying to think because, I mean, I guess dentist is one of those professions that as a child, you kind of know about doctors, dentists, teachers, firefighters, professions that you interact with at a young age. So was it just that exposure? Yeah, I mean, I always loved going to the dentist as a kid.
1: And I was fortunate where I didn't have a lot of bad, you know, experiences with with my dentist growing up. And As far as I can remember, it wasn't so much from media that got me interested in dentistry. It was more so my own experiences in either general dentistry offices or um, I did go through a lot of orthodontic treatment and that was something that I spent a lot of time in those kind of offices growing up. So I enjoyed the way my dentists always interacted with patients. And I, I liked that it was very much a personal relationship that the dentist can have with a patient versus a lot of times in hospitals, you don't really get to see your doctor or meet your doctor very well, or it's this middle person in between, whether it be a staff member or a nurse, having more of an, an effect on patients or a more hands-on approach with patients, and you don't see your doctor very much. So I liked that dentistry has a lot more of a a connection with their patients.
0: That makes a lot of sense for you in your early years. Do you remember your dentist or do you just more remember the experiences that you've had at the dentist?
1: I definitely remember my dentist. Yeah, I remember my orthodontist specifically. His name was Dr. Wrench and I always thought that name was like so ironic but <laughs> he he made it work and he was really nice and I spent a lot of time in his office and I never had any female dentists that is one thing that I thought was interesting there was never really any female dentists around it didn't necessarily deter me it almost kind of motivated me I'm like let's change this up let's get more women in dentistry and um, but yeah I definitely remember definitely remember my my dentist especially in my later childhood years
0: that's fair I feel like I actually kind of liked the dentist too as a child I feel like I had like very positive experiences. I also had braces, so I had to go to the orthodontist as well. And I remember my orthodontist was just the kindest man and he was transitioning out of orthodontistry. He was about to retire and he had brought on this new orthodontist who was going to be taking over and I was a little upset about it. I was like, but this is my orthodontist and he's leaving me.
1: You get really attached, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. At the start when you saw that you loved it, you've had really positive experiences, did you automatically kind of know that there was the potential for it to be a lifelong career?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I I another thing that comes to mind kind of looking back is I really liked how it seemed like you could have a really good work-life balance, you know? It wasn't so stressful at least from the outside. Um, that took you away from kind of all the things you like to do outside of work or balancing, you know, spending time with friends and family. So that was another aspect, I think, that really drew me to the career um, because it's just, it really was a nice kind of check. It checked all my boxes of what I would needed for, for a fulfilling career as well as figuring out how I could balance it with other things I liked to do, you know, in my week.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I want to hear kind of about the process of becoming a dentist, everything that sort of goes into that for somebody that may be very interested in this profession, but may not know how to start it. So first, obviously, you went to college, correct? So can you kind of talk a little bit about your college experience Mm -hmm. and what specific things you did in college to lead you to this path? Definitely,
1: yeah. It's it's a long path, you know, and, and you, have, you have to take it step by step. Otherwise, it can look really daunting. Um, but, yeah, after you finish finish your high school um, education, you, you do go to college. And you, ha- you get – most people get a bachelor's degree. Um, some people go further before entering dental school. But it's at least a bachelor's degree. A lot of times people do some sort of science major – Biology is a common one because it falls under a lot of the requirements that you need for being entered into dental school. So there's kind of a pre-dental group of classes that you need to take. And a lot of them are biology and chemistry based. Um, It doesn't mean you necessarily need to major in either biology or chemistry. I actually majored in physics, which had very little overlap with um, with the classes I needed to take for dental school. So I was a little... A little sideways, you know, approach in that sense. But (laughs) in my opinion, it helps to kind of come at it with a more interesting background with your education and your extracurriculars, because you're going to be competing against a lot of kids who do biology and chemistry. So it doesn't, I mean, if that's what you want to major in, that's fine. But if your interests are elsewhere, I say go for it, just as long as you do well in the science classes that you need to take for being admitted into dental school, that's really important that they, they take it into account, but definitely becoming a well-rounded individual within college, having extracurriculars. I was an athlete in college, so I spent a lot of time in the gym and I was a swimmer. So that was one of my biggest extracurriculars. And then, um, definitely I took an art side of things too. So I did a minor in studio art. So I did a lot of Painting and calligraphy, and um, all sorts of different art classes on the side, really. And I, I felt that that helped a lot just to expand my application. It was something I loved to do. And I definitely even wrote about it in my application to dental school, was that how, kind of how it gave me a different approach or an edge to, you know, being successful within the career and in dental school is. Dentistry is very artistic, and so it definitely helps because you work with your hands when you're treating patients. So a lot of it is, you know, fine detail, work, motor skills, and then just training your eye on things. So it is something that I thought would benefit me, benefit me in the career. And so I wrote about that a little bit and kind of highlighted that. And I'm not sure if the people who admitted me into the school <laughs> saw that or thought the same way, but whatever it was it seemed to work out for me. <laughs>
0: I think that's amazing that you said that, that kind of allowing yourself to be that well-rounded student, you don't have to pick the one major, you don't have to minor in the thing that you think fits perfectly. I think that's amazing. And you're taking advantage of your entire college experience rather than simply focusing on whatever career path you're eventually doing. But actually, when you mold those passions together, like you're saying, it it helped you get to your career path. So I think that's amazing. Do you still do any of the calligraphy or even swimming? Do you still do any of that on the side?
1: You know, that's a good question. I tried to. Once I retired from swimming, I kind of went a little bit of a different direction and since i live in california right now i'm living in san diego and practicing in san diego but when i moved out here to california i picked up open water swimming so ocean swimming and that was something that i really enjoyed cuz it was almost like a new sport it was very different than pool swimming so that kept me kind of in the same sport but in a different way and so i do it i do it on the weekends every now and then and it's definitely fun um, to keep it up in that sense. But art, I definitely should be making more time for it. <laughs> uh, I Calligraphy was really fun. I really enjoyed it. And then same with watercolor. That was another one of my favorite kind of in the visual arts category uh, of activities that I used to do. So I, I try every now and then, yeah, to, to keep up. I do still have all my art stuff with me.
0: Maybe one day you can pick it up a little later in life. Like my dad, whenever he goes on vacation, he will now do watercolor painting
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, I didn't even recognize that was really a passion for him until he started doing it, but I love that he's now picked that up and it kind of just shows like we can pick up our passions anytime, anywhere.
1: So true, so true. I'll be the old lady painting.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds amazing. That sounds very, very nice. I would love to know, even if it was through one of your art classes or through your major that didn't directly correlate to dental school, what do you feel like was one thing you learned in college that you were able to translate now even into your profession?
1: Definitely. Um, I think personally for me, having so much on my plate while I was in dental school, or excuse me, college, there's a lot of classes you have to take to kind of take care of all those pre-dental. It's very similar to pre-med classes. And on top of that, your own major, and then any extracurriculars you have on top of that. So definitely balancing everything. I think especially for me, balancing the uh, student-athlete life was a lot of practice into how you can really work your time management skills for dental school. Because college is hard, but dental school is a lot harder. So it's a lot of you know optimizing your time, figuring out how to stay sane and still do the things you love and taking a step back where you need to for your own peace of mind and a break. Because it's really important to remember, you know, mental health is important and especially through the dental school path. And if you go into specialty programs after that, it's it's a long road and you need to make sure you always set aside time in the day or in the week for your own, you know, recoup and, and break from all of it
0: can you talk a bit more about juggling it all specifically with being a student athlete? Because of course that's so time consuming. And did you feel like, like were there other people on your team that were going for maybe as rigorous of a profession as you were setting yourself up out to do?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I did feel like I had a lot of support within the team and in my, in my team, um, especially towards the end, like my last year, I was captain of the swim team and that was a lot of work cuz you have to be you have to be really present in the moment. You have to be you can't be thinking about something else you have to do. So it definitely teaches you that no matter what else you have on your plate or on your to-do list, you really need to be kind of present in whatever the item is that you're working on in the moment. And a lot of my my teammates, they were trying to get into med school, trying to get into law school, trying to do something, you know, or get that really good job within like economics. So there was a lot of ambitious people around and it's nice because that can help, you know, motivate each other where it's like, okay, these guys are also striving for something. We can do this together. So yeah, I I was blessed in that. I had a lot of of ambitious people around me.
0: That's amazing that you had such a sense of community that all of them were very ambitious as well. Did you feel like you also had other people within your classes that you were taking or even advisors within college that were helping you kind of mold that career path and also understand what steps you needed to take in order to get to dental school?
1: Yeah, another really good question. So I joined the pre-dental society at my college. I went to Tufts for my undergrad and I felt like that helped a lot because you can kind of ask questions. You have mentors above you who you can lean on and ask for with regards to kind of what's the best best path to take. Because I remember when I first started college, I wasn't sure what I should major in. I wasn't sure what the best choice was that would kind of give me an edge into getting into dental school. And a lot of times people don't even know that that's what they want to do when they start college. Most people don't know that right away. And I was a little unusual in that sense, but still I wasn't sure what the best path would be to, to make it there. And it's nice to be able to ask people who are, you know, a few years ahead of you, who've been through that process to kind of give you an idea of, you know what, go with the choice that would make you happier or focus on, you know, getting really good grades in these classes. And, you know, tips like that can really help give you a little bit of a weight off and so you don't feel so lost in the process because right. there isn't really a guide that can, that you follow really to get through. And there's a lot of forums on the website, on different websites and on the internet everywhere that have people just saying like, Oh, you have to do well on this. You need this minimum score to be considered here. And a lot of it is misinformation. It's really just speculation people have had based off of things they're putting together from people they know, but it's, it's not a a full truth thing that you see out there and a lot of it can scare you. So just try to stay away from those forums and do the best you can definitely focus on doing well with the science classes, especially the ones that dental schools um, care about the most. But I mean, they want to see your well-rounded student overall. So pursue the things that you want and are interested in pursuing um, join communities, especially if your school has a pre-dental society or some sort of mentorship program because that can always help. Spend time with actual professionals. You know, I spent a lot of time shadowing dentists in the area, like around my, my college, and everyone practices differently. Everyone has their own way of doing things. They all have different recommendations. So it it's nice to spend time with multiple different people because you'll learn kind of all the varieties that you'll see and figure out kind of, you know what, there's not one way to do things. Everyone has their own way of doing things. And there isn't like one right way, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I think that's really great advice. Did the dental society allow you to be awarded those opportunities to then go shadow those dentists? Or how did you get those opportunities?
1: In my experience at, at Tufts, there was there was some mentorship opportunities, and they would connect you with some dentists in the area. That's true. Personally, I Kind of went out and found dentists that I wanted to spend time with. So I I I would always say be proactive. Um, I would if you're interested in a certain you know branch of dentistry, it they dental schools do like it when you spend a lot of time with general dentistry because you're gonna be graduating as a general dentist. So they do want to see that you've spent time in general dentistry. But it doesn't hurt if you wanted to start shadowing on in some professional you know specialty specialty groups because that can help later on you you have more experience to decide what kind of branch of dentistry you want to go into but as long as you spend a good amount of that time in a general dentistry office that is definitely going to look better to dental schools just so that you know they don't think that you're really set on this one specialty and if you don't get into that specialty later on you're not going to be happy with dentistry
0: for those shadowing opportunities too you said that you kind of went out of network to go get them yourself and be proactive about it. Did you have to network a lot or did you kind of cold call people or were you just like general dentists in my area?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I I remember like the first couple years of college, I didn't have a car. So I wanted to find a dentist office that was pretty close by. Um, So I cold called people and you'd be surprised. It's a little intimidating because it feels like you're so far from where they are or they're so far ahead of where you are and you won't think that they're so welcoming, but really you'd be surprised. There's so many professionals out there that really do want to teach and show you the ways. And it really is flattering to have someone below you ask like, Hey, can I shadow you? Can I learn from you? They're going to, they're going to most of the time want to teach you, you know, as long as they're not too busy and they may tell you to come on a day that is a little bit less busy, but for the most part, in my experience, by far most of the professionals, especially in dentistry, are, are really happy to share their knowledge and kind of how they do things
0: with you. Did those people that you shadowed, were they able to give you letters of recommendation when going into dental school? Or where do you feel like a lot of those came from?
1: Actually, yeah. that And that's a really good thing. If you can have a dentist give you letters of recommendation um, for the – you had from like shadowing. That's a really good one to add to your application for dental school. Um I had my personal dentist write one of my recommendations because I spent so much time with um with my dentist. So, but definitely there was another dentist near my college that was very much um willing to write a letter. And I, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly he wrote a letter too.
0: So kind of also some of those other key things that you need to get into dental school, you know, your prerequisites, were there any specialized exams? Were there any things like that that you needed? And how did you know that you needed them? Was it your college kind of telling you? Or was it individual research?
1: Yeah, so each college is actually different, or each each dental school is different. So There's different requirements depending on which dental schools you want to apply to. So if you're interested in certain dental schools, definitely look at their requirements list because sometimes they want a specific class or they'll want um, a specific application filled out. But especially with classes, if you know kind of where you want to apply and I always encourage and you'll hear this a lot too to apply to as many schools that you would consider going to because you're gonna hear a lot of no's and that's okay that's very normal um it in in my mind helps you kind of make the decision when there's fewer options to decide between but don't let that get you down um but definitely there were, some, there were some schools that I had to forego applying to because there was one niche class that I didn't take that they wanted. So it, it definitely helps to kind of look a few years ahead when you're taking classes in college to see if there's a certain class or a certain college you or a certain middle school you want to apply to that needs a specific class um, in order to consider your application.
0: That makes sense. So I actually would love to talk a bit more about that application process. What was it like for you? Was it difficult? You said that you should apply to as many schools as you can. For you, was that kind of staying in one location or was that going anywhere and everywhere? Tell me about that. Yeah,
1: I was in a bit of a unique situation where so at Tufts, um, I applied for a specific program That actually got me early admittance into the Tufts Dental School. And so as a sophomore in my undergrad in college, I had a spot once I finished my undergrad at the Tufts Dental School. So I knew that I could apply to schools that I would just choose over Tufts Dental School. And nothing against Tufts Dental School. It's a really great school. It's just personally, I knew I wanted to get out in California. So I applied to specifically California dental schools and, um, my home, my home state is Minnesota. So I applied to the university of Minnesota too. And so I didn't have as many applications as a lot of my, my classmates did. Um, it's normal to apply to like 15 plus schools and they're expensive. A lot of them have like a fifty to hundred dollar uh, application fee. I don't even know what it is now, but that was what it was at the time. And but you, it's they always say it's a drop in the bucket, and it's an expensive path, that's for sure. There's a lot of drops in that bucket, but it's worth it in the end. And as long as you don't get yourself into too much debt, I mean, student debt is a big issue, especially in the U.S. And yeah, some of the private universities that cost a lot more than public universities. It might not always be worth it to go that route to if you're going to get in so much debt cuz it's going to take a long time to get to get that back really and you don't want to burden yourself once you're entering into your career with so much debt to pay back. I'm getting a little off topic
0: now, but No, I think that's actually really amazing advice. Do you feel like scholarships were readily available or anything of that sort? Or opportunities to help people with aid, so that they didn't have to take on so much student debt.
1: Yeah, there's options out there. Um, there definitely is. I would say look into your undergrad opportunities to kind of help out with managing the costs. Um, look into if you're interested in something military related. There's a lot of a lot of uh, payback that can be achieved from. Either ROTC programs or serving in like military as a dentist, a lot of my friends actually did that route, and they help pay for dental school because dental school is really expensive too. And it depends. I mean, everyone comes from a different background; everyone has different resources. Yeah. But definitely explore the resources. Take it seriously because when you're a college student, you just see these big numbers on the. Sheet of paper that you're signing, you don't realize that you're <laughs> gonna have to pay that back one day if you take out the loans for that. So it's something to take seriously and to really calculate how much. And keep in mind you're gonna get more debt when you go into dental school if you're taking out loans, because you're not making money and it's expensive. And then if you go into residency programs after that, it's more years of interest accruing. So public schools are great options. It's more affordable than some of the private universities, still really expensive. But looking into options like that and giving back to the community, you know, there's some different resources depending on where you're looking and where you go, but definitely explore those options that you have.
0: I think that's a really great advice. Where did you ultimately go to dental school? And also, what made you pick that? I know you already said you either wanted to be in California or you also thought about going back home to Minnesota but tell us what were the actual things that made you say, yes, absolutely, take my money, and let's go on this journey? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. So UCLA was where I I went to dental school, and it it was a great experience, honestly. When you hear stories from students who went to dental school, I'm sure you're going to hear a lot of bad because there's a lot of hard roads, a lot of hard days, hard years. There's a lot of things that you wish were different and a lot of, you know, old ways of thinking in terms of, you know, the program a lot of the times, but that's just like the education system in general. But overall I feel like UCLA really prepared me as much as, as much as I could ask for, you know, to get out into the career. And again, wherever you go, it's what you make of it. So if you're interested in something Take the extra step to spend extra time in that clinic that you like. Like, for example, I do a lot of cosmetic dentistry and and towards the middle and end of dental school, I realized that that was going to be the path that I wanted to take. So I spent some of my free time or time that I wasn't in class, you know, in the specialty aesthetic clinic, you know, and just trying to learn more in the areas that I wanted to study. So In dental school, you don't realize it until you get out of dental school that once you're a dentist taking classes, they cost thousands of dollars. Dental school is all like paid for already, you know, in your tuition. So take advantage of that. Learn as much as you can while you're in dental school. I know there's a lot that you have to learn even just from the base, but use that as an opportunity to connect with whatever professors you have. Um, They're amazing faculty members wherever you go, most likely. Um, And they're there because they want to teach. So a lot of times they're happy if you show more interest in learning. But ultimately what made me choose UCLA was it was right in the area I wanted to be in. Southern California was always my goal. Emma, I know you went to USC. I did not get into USC dental school so
0: I wasn't gonna mention it because of the rivalry but (laughs) yes there was a little sour taste in my mouth when you said UCLA but I wasn't gonna mention it
1: I know I know that's okay (laughs) (laughs) that's okay nothing against USC they just didn't want me apparently so UCLA was was the way I went and I I had a good time going there made tons of friends hopefully they will be lifelong friends there's I mean there's a lot of resources you can you know Gain a lot of knowledge from, and um, especially you know UCLA people recognize that name. So I now I hear a lot of like, oh, you went to UCLA, you know, because people know that name. So I guess that helps a little bit, you right. know, especially when you're getting into your your first few jobs out of dental school.
0: For sure, I do want to know what is your advice to help people kind of narrow down their search, both before getting into schools and then after. Because like you said, you know, cast a really wide net. But you also said it could be like 150 bucks per application, which does seem like a drop in the bucket in the grand scheme of things once you've already paid for all of this stuff. But any tips you may have to help narrow that down?
1: Don't go crazy with your applications and don't make it so that you're replying to so many schools that you don't have time to make a good application for any of them. I would say look at um, the state you're in, where you're from, where you want to be. Um, maybe if it's a new city you want to live in or a new area that you wouldn't mind living in while you're in school, you know, to try something new, wherever you would consider going, kind of make a list from there. Um, I find an experience from just reading like the data of like who gets in a lot of times state funded schools like state, you know, students. So they'll accept more students from the state that they're from. Um, It's not always the case. I wasn't from California and I was one of the out-of-state people at UCLA. So it's definitely uh, possible to get into schools that are not the state you're from. Um, Private universities tend to not have as much of a bias, but don't let that deter you from applying to where you want to apply. But I would say apply to as many as you can and comfortably can apply to and afford to apply to. But don't make it too much of a burden. So, usually it's around the 15 uh, number of schools, but everyone's different.
0: Were there any professors that you knew about in those schools or specific programs that you would research within each of those dental schools that you knew about ahead of time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as you asked that, I remember now. Uh, one of the things that I really liked about UCLA when, so when you get accepted into a school, a lot of times they'll invite you for an interview, and so these are a lot of times an in interview you have to fly to that state or that that school for. So, when I flew to see UCLA, and it, this is like a cross country flight, you know, just for a day trip, you know, and you still have classes back in your college, so I made that trip out and really asked the students how they like it there each school will have a different type of population of students, a different personality of students. There's going to be a range, but I found that from the schools that I went to, you kind of get this vibe of what the school is like. So pick a school that you think you would feel more at home at for at least four years, really, and somewhere where the students feel like they are happy, you know, I I know it's stressful, they're going to be stressed everywhere, but at least (laughs) happy, you know, enough and where you really feel like you could fit in to that population of students more. Ask about the current students there, you know, like you're going to be with a few other people who are doing an interview on that day, most likely, sometimes it's one other person, sometimes it's like five other people. But um, ask some of the students if you can, maybe they're on their lunch break, and they're out, around and just ask them what it's like to be at that school, what they like, what they don't like. If you know you want to go into a specialty program, really explore what that specialty program and is like at that school and what kind of resources set you up to get into that specialty program. So for example, if you wanted if you know you want to do oral surgery, look at a school that it prepares you well to apply for a residency program because some schools are more catered towards general dentistry and producing really good general dentists. And then some are really good at research and really producing specialty uh, professionals, you know, in specialty departments.
0: I think that's really excellent advice, specifically to talk to students that are there because they're the ones going through it right here right now. So they can probably give you the most honest feedback in the moment. You did say around four years. Is that how long dental school is? Can you talk a bit about that?
1: Yeah. So by far, most of the dental schools in across the country are four years long. There's a a program at University of the Pacific up in San Francisco area that does a combined undergrad and dental school program. That's a very niche program. So there's a couple exceptions. Um, But yeah, it's, it's four years after you finish your undergrad. Some of my classmates had master's degrees before they started dental school. There was actually a couple that had PhDs. So some oh, people, wow. yeah, some people do either a career change. Some don't get into dental school and they decide to do a master's in the meantime and try to apply again another year. So everyone has a little bit of a different path. But I would say, at least in my class, most had, um, most had an undergraduate degree, a bachelor's, like a bachelor's degree most of the time in sciences, and then you apply for dental school kind of towards the end of your undergraduate program, and then you'll kind of go into dental school directly from there. But some some do a little bit of a longer path.
0: Makes sense. This may be a bit of a loaded question, but what do you feel like are the best and worst parts of dental school?
1: (laughs) I would say definitely some of the best parts is you spend so much time with your classmates. You're there all day long with, with, like at classes and then spending all evening, you know, in the anatomy lab with your team. And you spend so much time, way more than college is what I found with your classmates. And a lot of times your class in dental school is quite small. Like my class was 88 students. And That's not very many. You get very close with your classmates. And so definitely the best part is the friendships you develop um, within dental school and how you hopefully can keep them, you know, throughout your whole life. I would say that's definitely one of the highlights of dental school. And getting to treat patients was one of my other highlights. So at at UCLA, and every school is a little bit different, but at UCLA, they let you start doing cleanings on patients in your second year, like towards the end of your second year. And so that's when you first really get a chance to see patients and it's definitely nerve wracking at first, even just to do a cleaning, but it's really rewarding. The patients you see are a lot of times very appreciative of the care that you give them. A lot of times these are patients who can't afford dental treatment in traditional settings and they go to dental schools for more discounted care Sometimes I had a patient who just really loves the education system, and he really wanted to support, you know, being a subject to learn on, really. And so he he didn't mind spending three hours to get a filling done, you know, which most, pa- most patients won't want that. But it's nice, and the patients that you do get to see there are very appreciative of the care that you give them. So it's very rewarding in that sense. The worst parts um, – a lot of it's a lot of hours lost of sleep it's a lot of work it's a long road ahead but take it step by step it's you're gonna get to the end you know and I remember for our white coat ceremony when we started dental school right at the beginning that's kind of like your inauguration or initiation into dental school our dean said, you know, you're all in it together. Now that you're in, it was like a competition to get in. But now that you're in, everyone's really, they're trying to make everybody in that class make it to the end. You know, they're really committed to giving you the resources to make it through that, that process, that long four years in order to get to the end. And it sometimes doesn't feel that way, but overall, they want you to get to the end, the whole class, you know, together.
0: What a nice thing for them to say, to kind of just take the pressure off of like, you're going to make it. Don't worry. It's going to seem really hard, but you're going to make it. Yeah. Was there ever a point that you were kind of nervous that you went through all of this schooling? You were so sure about your career path, but prior to actually working on a patient to know that this was the right thing for you?
1: Yeah. I remember kind of almost an identity crisis I had in the middle of dental school where kind of all along, I knew, oh, dental school was my goal. I wanted to be a dentist. But once I got into dental school, I was like, oh, shoot, what do I want to do within dentistry? Because there's a lot of options that I didn't even really consider. I didn't really think about it until I got into into dental school. But there's a ton of specialty options. I mean, you can do orthodontics, you can do perio, which is gums and Hard tissue that support the teeth, you can do oral surgery, you can do, um, you know, all sorts of different professions. There's, there's, you know, replacing missing teeth, you know, replacing even facial structure. Like you can go into professions that don't just focus on your teeth and it's all head and neck related and very much connected. So there's a lot of options really you can do within dentistry. So I think the, I was a little overwhelmed with how many paths I could take past dental school. And I would say my advice to people in that position would be just to cross off what you don't want to do. Like if there's certain things that you, you know, spend some time in this profession, you realize that I don't really see myself doing that. So just cross it off the list. Then explore something else and like cross it off the list, you know, if it's not for you. And then you can kind of narrow down some different options that, you know what, I'd be happy doing like these three things. Or maybe you actually do pinpoint one. But keep in mind, like applying to residency is a whole other journey. And (laughs) you don't get in, you know, so it I always liked to look at it like that was kind of help deciding an option for me. Like if I didn't get in something like, oh, that wasn't the right thing for me. You know, there's always a path that you could take otherwise you know and if not just try again you know there's there's opportunities out there
0: absolutely and you talk about residency when you finish dentistry and you go into residency or you apply to residency do you already have to know kind of what segment of dentistry you want to be in while applying or do you explore all of them
1: yeah, you you when you apply for residency, you're applying for that specialty program. So, okay. let's say you really want to do root canals all day. You can apply for an endodontic residency and it's funny because they all have different timelines. Like I remember endodontics, which, you know, you do a lot of root canals, they had a deadline for their their residency program really early. You had to apply like in your third year early to apply for residency and it it sometimes is too early to know that's what you wanted to do. So what some of my classmates did who were still considering it is they would do a one-year either general practice residency or an advanced training in general dentistry. So those kind of give you uh, a leg up in terms of you learn more advanced procedures, more complex type of medical histories on patients, more hospital setting kind of procedures. So you can either... Use that training to become a better general dentist or use that as a way to, you know, give yourself more time and experiences in different branches within dentistry to help you decide for what residency program you want to apply to if you do another one after that, you know. But yeah, you do kind of need to decide what program you want to go into while you're in dental school in order to apply for that residency
0: towards the end of dental school. That makes sense. So can you talk now a bit about what program you went into, your specialization?
1: Yeah. So cosmetic dentistry is not technically a specialty. So it's definitely how I like to describe it is it's a very detailed approach to general dentistry and restorative dentistry. So I personally love general dentistry because you can do whatever procedures you want to do, whatever you like doing, and then, say, refer to whatever you don't want to do. So, personally, I, I don't like doing root canals, so I almost always refer those out. I do them once in a moon if I have to, if a patient needs it, but the nice thing about general dentistry is you can really tailor your practice to doing the procedures you really like to do. And then you can refer out the procedures that you don't feel comfortable doing, or you don't particularly enjoy doing. Um, but that's the the way I did it was I finished dental school and I actually did not do a residency. I went straight out into, um, working in the profession and private practice. So what I did was I found mentors within cosmetic dentistry that I learned from in the process. So during dental school, when I had some time off during school breaks, like winter break, I would spend time shadowing a cosmetic dentist down in San Diego and and, and in L.A. So that helped me learn a lot about kind of how private practice Uh, cosmetic dentistry goes. And I learned a lot from the flow, how they treat patients, kind of what kind of procedures they do, ask a lot of questions, um, because that's really how you learn. And then what I did after graduating dental school was I got a position at an office that did largely cosmetic dentistry. And it was with a doctor who owned the practice who was very much like a teaching mindset. So I was lucky in that I learned a lot in my first year out of dental school in private practice, especially with cosmetic dentistry, where I was able to add to the skills I learned in dental school, but focus more on that cosmetic dentistry approach because that was what I wanted to do with my career. And then after that, I ended up
0: starting my own office. So that's amazing. We are going to get into you starting your own office in just a second. But before I do want to know, what was a lesson that you gained from that first job, from that first doctor, that then you brought into starting your own practice?
1: As you asked that, I thought of a quote that the owner doctor said, and it was, always remember the patient is the most important person in the room. And I loved that mentality because I always really respected when a doctor or a dentist would always make the patient really the first priority and make sure they feel that way too. So it's always, you know, asking that they're okay, making sure they're comfortable, asking if they want a pillow, asking if they're warm enough and they need a blanket or, you know, whatever it is, just always making sure that they feel cared for and always like the most important person in the room. And I I would say that's definitely something that I took with me throughout my career since then and how I still hope all my patients feel you know, today.
0: Those are some incredible words to live by. First off, I think that in a profession like yours, it is something that's really important to keep top of mind. And now I want to talk about your office, your brand new office, El Gore Dental Studio. First and foremost, Tell me about the name. Obviously, you are Dr. Sarah Elgore, but I do want to know, was that a challenging process of how you were going to name it, if you were going to call it a dental studio versus a, I don't know, a different different name at all? Yeah, actually,
1: it's funny because I almost forget that process of developing the name now that we have the name and I decided on it. But I looked at different options as like, should I put my name in the name? Should I make it more like generic, you know, as you know, some of the dentist office don't have a name for the doctor on their, their title. And so I, I had this huge list of names that I would think about and I would like look at, you know, synonyms of na- of words that I wanted to kind of portray in the name. And ultimately I thought, you know, I, I want it to be more niche and more of like a high end experience for patients and, I liked Dental Studio and I I thought, you know, let's just put, let's just call it Elgore Dental Studio and it just kind of flew off the tongue and (laughs) I like, I just settled on that name really just after a lot of thought though, after a lot of thought.
0: I imagine because that's one thing that people, I feel like they almost forget how much is in the name because it's it's your it's your baby now right like this is something that you go into every single day you're promoting it all the things so a name is really important but I think it's a great name oh thank you so I want to first ask you what made you want to open your own office? And what was that transition like for you? Was it very, you know, crazy going from just working for somebody else to being your own boss? There's so many questions I have, but let's start there.
1: Yeah, it's it was always a dream of mine to have my own practice. So I knew that was going to be my, my end game, really. And it, in some ways, it's just the beginning, too. But that was kind of the the pinnacle of kind of where I wanted to be with my career. I wanted to figure out where I wanted to practice and I wanted to build my own office and kind of make my presence in that community. Um, so that was always my goal. And I thought what better time than like when I felt first ready really to do it. And I felt ready earlier than some, and it was just the right time for me to kind of make that leap. A lot of my classmates and a lot of other professionals some buy an existing dental practice and kind of you adopt the patients of that practice from the doctor who owned it before. And then some start their own practice. It's not as common anymore, but that's what I decided to do just because it was the way I could build a practice that was what I envisioned without having to
0: take someone else's vision and make it mine, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And speaking of that vision, of that mission, can you speak a little bit to that? What is your practice really about? What does it embody for you? Definitely. So
1: I do a lot of cosmetic dentistry. I do a lot of general dentistry, too. Um, my vision for the practice was to make a spa-like atmosphere where patients feel really comfortable. A lot of patients are scared of the dentist. They don't love going. So I definitely wanted to change that for at least my patients and people who are in my community. So what I, what I made it was very relaxing. Um, we, I really am a big believer in all the sense, senses or the sensations. So we play spa relaxing, you know, instrumental music. We have aromatherapy going in our office. We um, have a lot of like clean lighting that's not too overwhelming, but still really bright and, and welcoming. So it's very much kind of tackling all the senses, making sure patients feel like they're the most important one at the time that they're in. Um, all of that kind of just embodying a good experience where patients feel like they're getting the best care that they can. And then my favorite type of procedures are cosmetic dentistry procedures because I really can, I feel like I have a big impact on people's self-esteem and so many people are self-conscious with, about their smile or about something that they don't like about how their teeth look. And to have an impact on that, I've had so many patients just in tears on how happy they are after you know fixing the thing that they were insecure about or giving them a smile they never thought they could have. And that's so rewarding for me and definitely what I, what brings me to work every day. And I just feel so lucky that I get to have that sort of impact on people.
0: I can only imagine how rewarding that must feel because you really are changing somebody's actual appearance, their confidence, like you're saying, everything about their outward look. I mean, of course, like we know so much inner confidence a lot of times does come from your outer appearance. So that's really amazing that you're able to have a hand in somebody's actual life in that manner. It's really incredible. Thank you, Emma. I do want to know some of the logistics behind opening an office, starting your own practice, obviously, there's a monetary implication. How do you how do you do that? Do you have to take out loans to start this? Did you do a lot of savings? What was your process on it? I know it's not going to be the same for everybody else's but I would like if you're comfortable talking a bit about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely again, I mean, we talked about this drop in the bucket thing, right? Because I feel like every step, it's just more money that you didn't expect that you needed to pay, right? So on top of all of your student loans that you've like accumulated throughout school, if you do take that path, yeah, getting a practice, you either a lot of times you would reach out to a bank who can uh, issue you a loan to either purchase a practice or start a practice new. If you have resources that can help along the way, whether it's family connections, your own savings that you may have saved up you know, here and there, it's hard because a lot of times you've been spending the last eight or 10 years, you know, in school. So I don't know where you can really spend that much time saving up, but if you can, every little bit helps. And definitely working outside, out of school, when you're finished your, your training, if you can save as much as you can and live like a student still, that was one thing I remember a lot of my professors, mentioned as like a tip financially is when you're graduated and get your first job this is the first time you're really getting paid you're
0: right
1: it's easy to get a little carried away and enjoy it you know but keep in mind that there's still some expenses coming you have a you may have a lot of bills to pay a lot of student loans to pay so just be a little responsible you know start investing start you know developing your financial portfolio that can help you with your next steps Um, and then that's going to help keep you in that lifestyle where you're not living such an expensive lifestyle that to maintain while you're potentially opening a practice or like live with roommates. If you still can live with roommates for longer than you might think, or, you know, don't spend too much on a car too early. If it's something out of reach, you know, things like that. Um, and just remembering, you know, it, it will be worth it in the end but yeah, most most people would go to a bank, get a loan for the practice, and then depending on like the terms and conditions, you use that to either purchase a practice that's existing or use it to fund building a practice. Um, typically, the costs for building a practice and purchasing a, a practice can be anywhere from six hundred thousand to over a million, depending on what the practice is and. Typically, practices are valued based off of how much they produce in a year. So how many patients they see, how much money they bring in from that. And then you can either find practices for sale on different resources or you can choose to kind of go your own route, which is what I did where I first started with a real estate agent for medical and dental buildings. And that's how I looked at so many different places where I could build an office And until I found the one that felt right for me, and then you kind of find a contractor after that, and the contractor will um, help you build the practice and get your vision for what you want it to look like to come to reality. And you might work with a designer, you know, to help you design what type of finishes, what kind of flooring, what, what wall color, you know, and then you'll work with someone who can help you get the type of equipment that you want in the office. So there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. What I found is a lot of them kind of connected to one another. So it's a pretty small world. The dental world is if you work with someone in the dental world, they're going to recommend someone to work with. Like they're going to be like, oh, this IT guy is really good. Or, oh, this designer is really good. Yeah. So they, they can give you opportunities to meet some people along the way and you pick someone you like to work with. And So when I felt like there was a lot of – kind of this person connected me to this person connected me to this person and then it kind of just became this chain of a network that helped me make my dream a reality so um it took a lot longer than I thought it would though definitely it was about a year venture to build a practice once I decided on where I wanted to build it um right now a lot of times people don't realize, but the permitting process for getting a permit from the city to do any sort of construction is insane. COVID really messed that up. And it took like seven months, six or seven months just for the city to say, okay, you can build, you know? So there's a lot of wasted time and a lot of time where you're just kind of waiting, trying to do as much of the planning as you can with your team that you hired to build the office. And it's very much uh, like a waiting game. And it's, not fun to just sit and you know wait out the time to build your office but then once they give you the go ahead it's like a mad rush to the finish line (laughs) and then you're kind of the end of the build but kind of the beginning of starting the practice so there's a lot of like beginnings and it's been definitely rewarding and trying not to get too overwhelmed by it because it is kind of a beautiful process to go through and I'm very blessed that I get an opportunity to do that too but that would be
0: that's kind of my my process that I've been through. That's amazing. And I was actually gonna ask you if that process was at all overwhelming because everything that you just mentioned, that's a lot, Sarah. That is, <laughs> that is so much work. I feel like it takes a very specific kind of driven, entrepreneur-driven kind of mindset to be able to go through all of that. Did you feel like you ended up putting on so many different hats, hats that you probably have never worn before in order to do some of those things that you've obviously never done before. It's so
1: true. It's so true. And it's not for everybody, that's for sure. And I don't, I want to make it kind of out there so people get an idea of what the process is like because some people, that's not what they want to do. I have plenty of friends from dental school who have no desire of owning a practice and owning a business because what, at least what I have found over the last especially last few months and this last year building it is dentistry becomes such a small part of it. It's you're, you're an owner of a business. You are working with a bunch of people you're hiring. You have employees to manage, you know, it's very much a business and, and then dentistry is what the business is that you're doing. So it's not just treating patients. There's so much more to that. It almost becomes like a small part of it really. And I like that about it. I always was interested in the business side of dentistry. Um, Some people are not, though, and, and that's okay. Some people would rather work at an office where they can show up and do the dentistry and treat the patients and not have to worry about that. And there are options for people to go into that might want that path instead. So I don't want that to deter people from entering dentistry because there are lucrative career opportunities where you don't have to worry about the dentistry side and it's only growing really there's a lot more opportunities now than there used to be because there's a lot of mini groups kind of developing
0: yeah i think that's a really good thing for people to know and it's a great thing for people to know the process of how taxing it is and how business focused it ends up being i do want to know too though how did you find employees, like the ones that are actually like doing the job with you day to day? Did you bring people over from past jobs that you were at? Or tell me about that.
1: Really good question. I was very lucky and had, I have a very small team right now. So it's, I'm the only dentist. And then I have my office manager who does all the front desk work and insurance, um, running insurances for patients. And then I have a back office assistant, who's kind of my right-hand woman. So there's only three of us. And both of them, I was very for- very fortunate and have met them and worked with them in a past office we all kind of went our separate ways for a while and then kind of came back as I was getting this, you know, build wrapped up. I I reached out to them. They reached out to me and it just kind of worked out for me where they were in a good position where they were looking for either the next step or something different. And they were like, you know what, let's do it. And then we all kind of coalesced together again. And um, I'm very blessed to have them. There's other, other options though. There's some resources where, You can look for people who have who are in a particular position that you need, like a front office member, um, an assistant, a hygienist. There are places that you can look and see if there's, you know, people looking for a position and you can advertise for that. Um, But personally, they were they were members that I've worked with before.
0: That's really incredible that you already kind of had that network of people and just picked them out. And it was the right timing for everyone. Yeah. How did you know how to pay your employees or even how to pay yourself? I feel like so many of those little details, especially when starting a business, how would you know? Like, do you just Google kind of the norms within your specialty? Yeah, you're so great. And oh, I remember before
1: I started this practice, a dentist that I followed on social media mentioned something that she said that everything is figure outable. you know, like it, there's a lot that you're not going to know. I've learned so much about insurance, really, you know, just things that are, that I've had some sort of relation to, but never really had to know it so well until I started this practice. And you're right, like you have to wear a million different hats. You have to be an expert at, you know, hiring people, paying people, you know, uh, running insurances for patients, figuring out how to like set up the phone service for an office. (laughs) You know, there's like all these little things you never think about and it's, it it can be overwhelming, but try not to let it overwhelm you if that's the path you want to take and just take it step by step, reach out for help where you need it. If you have resources of someone who has done it relatively recently, that is a great help. Like I had a friend who opened a practice a few years before I did in LA. And he was a huge resource for me to kind of see what worked for him, like with advertising or how did he nail down his location? He like connected me with a team that helped me find my real estate agent that helped me locate my practice spot. So definitely reach out to people that you come across that may help you with your process and that aren't too far removed from the stage that you're
0: at because that can really help but I think that's excellent advice somebody that's not too far removed is probably still in the thick of it themselves so I think that's great I also want to know how did you bring in patients was it patients that you had previously did you have to do a lot of promotion was it referrals tell us about that
1: Yeah. So as a startup, you start with zero patients, which is very intimidating, very scary. You open and you're not sure who's going to come through your door, you know, and you're not sure how you're going to pay your bills, right? (laughs) Because it's expensive. I mean, even just the rent is a lot. It's a lot more than I ever imagined. And I have been trying a lot of different resources and and ways to get patients. Some, like a small portion have followed me from another office My last office that I came from was about 30 minutes or a little bit more than 30 minutes away, so that was a bit of a barrier for some of my patients to follow me to, and so I knew that that wasn't something I wanted to rely on, nor did I want to leave a bad taste in that office's mouth by taking their patients, so I, I wanted to do right by them and kind of leave those patients there if they wanted to stay there, but some did follow me, some are here. There's some websites that kind of list dentists that I'm on and those have brought in a lot of new patients for me and then once you get kind of some patients through the door we have a referral program in our office that we give discounts to patients you know if they bring people in they'll get a certain amount of money on their credit on their account so um, that is one method we're bringing patients in is kind of word of mouth It helps to have a population of patients for that to work, you know, so we're not there yet. But um, flyers, door to door, I've been, it's really like, like grassroots type of advertising, you know, I reached out to the San Diego magazine, and I've been going to local businesses in my area and kind of letting them know like, Hey, I'm a new dentist. I accept your insurance. These are some flyers. Can you leave these in the break room? You know, like it's truly a full-time job, you know, just doing the advertising. So it's, you never get a break. You know, <laughs> that's the one thing that it's again, dentistry becomes such a small part of it, you know, that you're doing, but it's, it feels like it'll, it'll really all be worth it. And as long as you, you know, take some time to yourself to not get too overwhelmed if you do choose that path. I would say with advertising and getting patient, try everything and just keep trying everything. Some things will work and some won't, but just keep trying everything, and then don't cut off any opportunity because you never know, like one patient may come in who needs a lot of work on this like one small way you reached out to the community, and that may bring you a lot new pa- new patients too. So just trying everything, really.
0: I feel like it's such a great thing that you brought up advertising because, again, it's another one of those things that you maybe don't think about when you start a business. That's going to be something that's so important, but it so obviously is in order to even get the word out there that you guys exist as a practice. Do you feel like in this day and age, a social media presence is necessary
1: yeah, and good question. I did forget to mention that I am trying the Instagram side of things. <laughs> I started an Instagram when I was in dental school to kind of track my progress and share the, the things I was learning in dental school. And I, I loved that. I thought that was great. And some of my friends from college thought that was so cool because it was way different than what they went into, you know, in their careers or in their continuing education. So um, that's what I started my Instagram um, for. And then Once I was getting towards the end of dental school, I was like, okay, this can be a great way to bring in patients and kind of share my work as a cosmetic dentist. And so I kind of transformed it more towards like sharing me as a dentist, the kind of work I can do, the before and afters for the cosmetic cases that I I perform. And um, I got a little lazy on it for a little bit (laughs) and I wasn't keeping it up, but I've been trying to get back into it and using it for marketing as well. Um, So just like educational videos, everyone has their own way of doing social media. But for me, I wanted to make it um, authentic, not too, you know, polished. I wanted them to really, I wanted people to know kind of who I am and how I do dentistry, what I love about it, the kind of work I like to do, what procedures I can offer for patients and just, you know, how you can, better your own overall health and dental health as
0: well. Everybody, I will say I follow Sarah's Instagram and I actually really love it. And this is somebody that's not in the dental field at all, but it's kind of, it's like educational for the lay person too. Yeah. Like I even watched one today. I was like, oh wow, like that's actually really interesting. <laughs> to see, like, And even the transitions, I, just, I don't know, I find it, some of those videos almost like therapeutic to see how something can transform aesthetically, like so beautifully, and you don't even know how it's being done. <laughs> but you're like, wow, that's amazing that it is being done that way.
1: Oh, that's so nice to hear. Thanks, Emma. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I really do love it.
1: I definitely try to tailor towards like, you know, regular people, you know, so that they can understand it too. But some people like to share it, you know, in a different tone or a different audience. So
0: No, I really think it's perfect for both. And, you know, the majority of people that are looking for these services, they probably don't know as much about the dental world than, you know, the people that are posting it. So I think it's, I think it's a really great approach to it. I want to ask you and kind of a, maybe a silly question to this because you are so far into this field and excelling in it. But if you weren't a dentist, what do you think you would be?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I like that. Um. (laughs) Well, I'm very athletic and I love working with people, so probably a personal trainer.
0: Oh, that's actually great.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I That would probably be it, I, I would say. That's a good one.
0: That actually very much fits, I think. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, I do want to know, for you, opening your own office, everything, it's such an incredible really a remarkable type of adventure that you've just now begun. And that was, like you said, one of the biggest goals for you currently right now. But I imagine there are so many other goals too. So can you kind of share some of your long-term and short-term goals with us?
1: Yeah, definitely. Actually, a while ago, I, when I was in, I think, high school, I made this 30 before 30 list, like 30 things I want to do before I turn 30. And I made it so long ago I forgot what I put on it sometimes. And one of the things was open to dental practice. And I Whoa. it was a reach goal. I didn't think I could do it before I turned 30, but the fact that I, I could, it was it was really special to really look back and be like, you know what? That's awesome. I did that. That's so cool.
0: That's so awesome.
1: Yeah, but um so that was definitely one of the biggest goals I had for myself after after graduating dental school. So looking ahead. I want to really grow this practice. I want to be able to bring on a hygienist soon. So hopefully in our first year we can bring on some more team members. Um, I want to be able to start doing some more um, giving back to the communities and with care. Like I, I would love to be able to, you know, do give away a smile, you know, to someone who can't afford it really, you know, and just touching and giving back to the community that, won't really be able to reach you otherwise. So that's something I want to implement more into my you know, yearly routine is you know every once in a while just giving back a little bit more. And apart from that, um, I want to be, be able to bring on another doctor eventually into the office, um, continue to grow. We have five rooms to work out of, and right now we just have three that are fully working because we don't really need more than that right now, but I hope soon we will. Um, so, yeah, those are some goals, just really growing in the profession and then really just making sure that my employees always feel like they can grow in, the, in our office as well in terms of kind of where they want to go with their career. And hopefully that's w- still at my office, but, you know, giving them more opportunities to be even better at the positions that they're in and do have more responsibilities that they would want to do.
0: Well, fulfilling that insanely huge goal that you set for yourself on your 30 under 30 list. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that you're going to crush all your other goals, Sarah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do want to know twofold question to this. One of the biggest gaps in your industry right now that maybe you're trying to fill. And then also an advancement that you feel like you're really excited about.
1: Yeah. So I focus a lot on technology in dentistry in my office. Everyone kind of, once you go out into dentistry, it's really like your own world you get into, especially if you're in private practice, it's very isolated. A lot of times you don't get to work side by side with another dentist once you have your own career. And so, especially I've noticed with like older generations of dentists, they're kind of, they find their way of doing things that works for them and they don't really change so much. But there's a lot in the profession that has advanced since, you know, they found their flow. And so for me personally, right now, a lot of where dentistry is going is technology-based. So we have, you know, 3D scanners in our office and we scan all of our new patients and you can look at where they're biting on their teeth and if their their occlusion is healthy or showing them some areas with, you know, they they have cavities or are harder to get to where their recession is and things they can track. Um, with us over time. And I really like sharing what I see with patients. So we do a lot of education with our exams, and showing patients rather than just telling them, because I think a lot of the career, there's so many jokes on Instagram about, you know, there's an MOD on, you know, number eight, and patients don't know what any of that means. So I think if we can as a community in dentistry really change that where patients feel more comfortable. There's still so many patients that are scared of going to the dentist. They've had bad experiences as a child. They never felt really cared for or comfortable at the office that they ha- had treatment done in. And I think if we can make progress towards changing that, it's going to help future generations of their kids not being so scared. A lot of it starts from the parents. I have a lot of kids that are scared of going to the dentist because the parents really instilled that fear in them, you know? So it almost kind of sets that generation up for failure. So I would say that would be kind of my aspect of where I would want our career to change and grow and hopefully as a community. And it seems like dentistry is taking that path, you know? So I think with time it will get a lot better, but it really starts with, you know, you as, as the provider with the patients and then kind of letting them, you know, be comfortable with you.
0: I think, too, you describing your office as such a safe space and kind of like this oasis, just such a welcoming environment probably helps with that a lot. Like, even though I really liked my dentist as a child, it is it feels like a very sterile environment. So taking that away and I think how you're saying how you're doing it is probably going to help a lot within that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I that, that was my goal. So absolutely. Thank you, Emma.
0: <laughs> well, I do want to know one big piece of advice, anybody that was trying to get into this field or is listening to this interview right now and is thinking, you know, this is a path that I feel like is one that I could really go down. Sarah is inspiring me right now. What's a piece of advice that you could give somebody or something that you wish that you knew prior to getting into this profession?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say be proactive. So don't let opportunities come to you really go out and search for them. So if you're exploring the profession, really be proactive and spend time in offices. If you're, you know, not sure about something, really take the effort to to make that, you know, piece of knowledge that you want to learn um, and search for that. So if you're in school, you know, spend time with a faculty member, reach out to the dental school that's at the undergrad that you're at and see if they'll let you shadow. You know, be proactive overall is gonna not only give you more opportunities that may come to you later, but it, it, it's a little scary and intimidating, but overall, you'd be surprised at how welcoming and receptive those people will be to having you learn from them or learn more about something from them. Um, and then, yeah, just being really, really proactive and not waiting for things to come to you, I think. That that definitely will get you going very far.
0: I think that's amazing advice. And are there any resources that you feel like you still lean on or you think would be a great maybe starting point for any of these people that are looking to get into this field?
1: Yeah, definitely the community that you're with. So as as you kind of move through the process of getting into the career and and even in the career, you'll meet people along the way. And you may know someone who's maybe a year or two down the line from where you are. And keep that network with you and you'll develop an even broader network with people in different stages, you know, as time goes on. But I mean, I still reach out to some of my classmates if I have a question about something or I'm like, Hey, this case was really stumping me. What would you do in this position? Or, or, you know, just building the practice, you know, reaching out to people who have done that um, learning what worked for them. And a lot of times you'd be surprised It from the outside, it looks like everybody has everything figured out. But no, everybody's really like just trying things that might work or might not work, and if it doesn't work, try something else. So it, you'd be surprised. It, it's it's really intimidating because it seems like everybody knows what they're doing and you don't. But just know that everybody's in the same boat. Everyone's still figuring it out. Things are constantly evolving. You can always ask for help no matter where you are in your career. I mean, even really late into your career, have colleagues that you can ask about. You know, and just you know, run something by them if there's a question about like a case or even something business related, whatever it is, really just lean on other people because that's how you can make the whole community
0: stronger. Absolutely. I think it's we are power in numbers pretty much always. So lean on that community. Yeah. And my final question for you, Sarah, it's something that I ask all my guests, but it is a quote that you live by something that has gotten you through the day to day. Yeah, definitely.
1: One of the quotes that I love and I I truly try to live by is anything worth doing is worth overdoing. So whatever you're interested in, be passionate about it and go like the extra mile to make it better or to do better than just like, okay, you know, it's anything worth doing really is worth overdoing. It just becomes a lot more rewarding that way.
0: That's such a phenomenal quote. Where is that from? It was
1: from a movie, and I don't want
0: to quote it wrong, but
1: it's one of those military movies.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How you quoted it right there just inspired me a little bit, honestly. (laughs) I love it. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I feel like you shared so much useful information. You've obviously gone through so much thus far in your career. I know that you are just going to exceed new heights every single step of the way.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. And Emma, if you want to share my info, you're absolutely welcome to. And anyone who has questions, they can, yeah.
0: I was actually just going to ask you right now, is there anywhere that people can find you? Do you want to share your Instagram, the website, anything?
1: Yeah. So my Instagram is at Dr. Sarah L. Gore. So D-R-S-A-R-A-H-E-L-G-H-O-R. You can find me there. You can DM me there. You can also Google me, you know, El Gore Dental Studio is my practice. So you can find us on my website and reach out that way too.
0: Thank you so much, Sarah. This has been amazing. Thanks for having me, Emma. It was a pleasure. Thank you guys so much for listening to Excuse My Reach. As always, you can find us on all major streaming platforms. Like, download, subscribe, share with your friends. Be kind to those around you. And don't be afraid to reach a little higher. Woo! I'm <laughs> not